Welcome to Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, and thank you for joining us as we share the good news of Christ's love. We share a rich tradition as a diverse and welcoming congregation. We strive to meet people where they are and join them on their faith journey as we carry out our mission to love God, love neighbor, and change the world. Good morning. Welcome to Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. We say a word of greeting to those of you here in the sanctuary as well as those who are streaming and watching on television. We're grateful for your presence as well. It is July 4th weekend. We know that. We hope that if you're traveling anywhere, you will be safe. But now you're here this morning or you're watching online or on television, this affords us the chance in a very special way to celebrate our faith together. It is a very special Sunday in the life of the church when we show our appreciation and thanks to God for the privilege we have of being the body of Christ and celebrating new clergy and the return of clergy to Pulaski Heights for the coming year. There'll be more regarding that later on in our service of worship. But we're thankful for your presence now as we focus on the joy of being in this holy place together at this holy time.
would like to invite our clergy to stand. Dear congregation and friends, today we welcome Reverend Abby Maynard and Reverend Katie Chambers, who have been appointed to serve as our pastors, and Dr. John Robbins, Reverend Kathleen McMurray, Dr. Jeff Hampton, and Reverend Jay Clark, who have been reappointed to serve another year with us. We believe that they are well qualified and have been prayerfully appointed by our bishop, Gary Mueller. Abby and Katie, you have been sent to live among us as bearers of the word of God, ministers of the sacraments, and sustainers of love, order, and discipleship of the people of God. Today, we reaffirm this commitment in the presence of this congregation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as a people committed to participate in the ministries of the church by your prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, will you celebrate this new beginning, support and uphold Abby and Katie in these ministries. We reaffirm our commitment to support you with our prayers, presence, gifts, and service. Let us pray. Eternal God, strengthen and sustain us in our ministries together with Abby, Katie, John, Kathleen, Jeff, Jay, and our entire staff. Give them and us patience, courage, and wisdom so to care for one another and challenge one another that together we may follow Jesus Christ, living together in love and offering our gifts and talents in your service. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Accept this Bible and be among us as one who proclaims the word. Amen. Take this water and baptize new Christians in this place. Amen. Take this bread and cup and keep us in communion with Christ and his church. Amen. Use this hymnal and book of worship to guide us in our prayer and praise. Amen. Receive this book of discipline and help us keep the covenant that strengthens our connections as United Methodists. Amen. Amen. Receive this globe and lead us in our mission to this community and all of the world. Amen. Receive this stole and shepherd us as our pastors. Amen. This yoke has been laid upon me and I willingly take it upon myself. Congregation, let us pray together. Lord, Lord God, bless the ministries of your church. We thank you for the variety of gifts you have bestowed upon us. Draw us together in one spirit, that each of us may use our differing gifts as members of one body. May your word be proclaimed with faithfulness, and may we be doers of your word and not hearers only. As we who have died and risen with Christ in baptism gather at this table and then scatter into the world, may we be one in service to others 
In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. receive our joys and concerns of this past week. We pray for all experiencing grief and loss this day, and our Christian sympathy is extended to Holly Larkin and family in the death of her father, Joe Larkin. And we pray for all who are ill or recently hospitalized, including Wanda Priestley, Chuck Banks, Joe Jones, and Susan Hensley. And we give thanks for our new members, Marsha Daniels, Harper Peerfoy, Tony Jones, and Alex Gershon. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we remember the birth of our nation this weekend and celebrate Independence Day, we offer our thanks and prayers to you. We pray for the United States of America that we might always be a nation that promotes and defends liberty, freedom, truth and justice. May we always be grateful. We give thanks for those who built this country brick by brick, road by road, and town by town. We give thanks for those who have fought for our country and for all who paid for our freedom by their service and their sacrifice. We give thanks for our appointed pastoral leadership at PHMC and we pray your blessings upon their ministries. We're thankful for two newly appointed pastors, Reverend Abbott Maynard and Reverend Katie Chambers, and for our returning pastors, Dr. John Robbins, Reverend Jay Clark, Reverend Kathleen McMurray, and Jeff Hampton. And we're also thankful for our 14 PHUMC retired pastors. We pray for Plaskin Heights United Methodist Church and for all who have been nurtured in the faith and served this church before us. God of compassion, hear our prayers for a good summer, for safe travel, happy reunions, for rest and a time to enjoy family and friends. We remember all who are struggling, faint of heart, ill, or mourning this day, increasing us your grace and compassion through Jesus Christ our Lord, Amen. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy word. Today we read from the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Let us hear these holy words. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, First say, peace to this house. 
If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. When, when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. This is the word of God for the people of God. Before you're seated, please take a moment to greet each other in the name of Jesus Christ. We again say a word of greeting to all of you this morning. We're thankful for your presence, those, of course, here in the sanctuary. We're also always grateful for those who are streaming our service and watching on television as well. We say a word of greeting this morning to people all over Little Rock, North Little Rock, Clinton, Arkansas, as well as those who are in our hospitals who watch our service of worship. We're grateful that you've chosen to be a part of Pulaski Heights today. As we all know, it is the 4th of July weekend. We hope that you'll do whatever you need to do to have a great and enjoyable time to celebrate what it means to be a part of the United States of America, but also to be very careful along the way. We hope that it is a very special time for you and the ones you love over the next couple of days. We want to say a word of thanks. I say on behalf of all the clergy what a privilege it is to serve Pulaski Heights. Technically, as of July 1, the new appointed year started for us. We serve from July 1 to July or June 30 every year. And we are reappointed or reassigned, if you will, on July 1 of each year. We have the four clergy who were present this past year are here once again for another year. And we have added our two new clergy as well. So we're grateful for the privilege of serving Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church for another year. We got a lot of work ahead of us. There's work to be done. Look at the sermon title. So we'll go from there. We're grateful for your presence. Let us pray. Oh Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day. And work your will in our lives. Amen. When I was in junior high and early high school, my father was the pastor of a small United Methodist Church in a small Texas town. Every week, he had the habit of going to the local service station to meet with the owner of the service station, who was also the mechanic. He was a one-man crew. Those were the days when he still pumped your gas, and he wiped your windshield, and he checked the oil. He did all the work that needed to be done before you pulled out to continue your day. He was a rough and gruff man. But for whatever reason, my father had a really close connection with this particular me mechanic. They became very good friends. And every week, on several occasions, my father would go over to the service station, sit down, have a Coke with him or a cup of coffee, whatever it may be, and they would just visit with one another. And at the conclusion of the visit, my father would always invite him to church. And every time he invited to the church, this mechanic, he always responded by saying, no, preacher, I ain't going to no church. 
Time after time, week after week, and even year after year, this went on. Finally, one day, after having a Coke and conversation, once again, my dad asked this rough, gruff, cursing mechanic, will you come to church this Sunday? I guess he had had enough. He said, preacher, I want to know, why is it that every single week you ask me to come to church? Why would you do that? And my dad said, I'm not asking you. I'm inviting you. You need to come to church. Preacher, why do I need to come to church? And my dad said, because I'm concerned about your very soul. And the response from the mechanic was weeping. He began to cry uncontrollably, and he said, no one has ever loved me enough to be concerned about my soul. A long time ago, Jesus gathered 72 additional disciples with a specific task and responsibility to go out and make more disciples, to show concern for the soul of humanity. Now, the numbers 70 and 72 in Scripture represent all of humanity. What Jesus was doing by gathering together all these additional disciples, followers of his, was saying, the message you have to share is for the world. This message of salvation is for everyone, Jew and Gentile alike. But I'm going to put some stipulations on what it is you do. I want you to go out, but I don't want you to take anything with you. No bag, no purse, no sandals. You rely on the hospitality of those who will take you into the home. And you share what you have to share. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, there's work that needs to be done. It is even true to this very day in the life of the Christian faith that there is work that needs to be done. More and more people need to hear the message of salvation. We need to be more concerned about the souls of those whom we come in contact with. We are a people who have the greatest message any human being could ever hear and claim for herself or himself, and it is on us to make sure that they hear it, that they experience it, that they feel it. The harvest is plentiful. We all know that. But the workers are fewer and fewer. There is work that needs to be done. Even Jesus, who was God in flesh, recognized that his scope was limited. He was one person walking the face of the earth. He was reliant and dependent on others to share the message he had to share with the world. It's on us to make it happen. It really is about being the church, not only within the walls of this structure, but out into the world. To live in such a way, to speak in such a way, to interact in such a way that people long to know what is it about us that is different? What is it about us that is so compelling that they want to experience it for themselves? And we believe it is the power of the resurrected Christ that is an indwelling presence in every one of us that we have an obligation, a responsibility, a mandate to share. There is work that needs to be done. What all of us have to remember is that it is our responsibility not to share a message of condemnation, 
I take offense when people walk up to others and say, if you died today, would you go to hell or to heaven? I want to say to them, go to hell, get out of the way. But you can't say that. Our responsibility is to share a message in such a way that it is appealing and compelling. It is not condemnation. It is an affirmation of who Jesus Christ is, a God of grace and mercy and love and forgiveness who longs to be in relationship with us and will stop at nothing, even to the point of death, to have that relationship with us. Just a few verses after what I read today, Jesus says, if they listen to you, they listen to me. Do you know what that means? That means you literally speak for Jesus when you are a part of the life of the church. You are literally his mouthpiece. What it is you say is as if Jesus himself were saying it. Now that is a huge responsibility. But the harvest is plentiful and the workers are fewer and fewer. It is on us to do what needs to be done. Now Jesus tells them when you go out, you're going to be among wolves as if you are a lamb. Well, that doesn't sound real appealing. It sounds like that we become vulnerable, that we're at risk, that it is challenging and difficult. And it is indeed all of that. It is always tough to do what we're called to do in a world that is becoming more and more hostile to the message of Jesus Christ. We live in a culture now where you can say whatever you want to anyone else, and as mean as it may be, it doesn't matter anymore. We can write whatever we want to write. We can post whatever we want to post. We are free to be whoever we want to be, but there are parameters around being a follower of Jesus Christ, and those parameters include grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. We are to live in such a way that we disassociate ourselves from the way the world lives. We live in the world, but we live in such a way that there is something about us that makes it obvious to other people. There is a presence within us that is greater than ourselves. We believe that to be the resurrected Christ. There are people in the world who are so hungry for some sense of purpose in life, particularly with everything that's happened over the last couple of years. They are hungry for it, and we can offer them the bread of life. There are people in the world who are filled with angst. Their lives are in turmoil and chaos for a variety of reasons, and we can offer them the Prince of Peace. There are people in the world who have no direction. They are wandering from place to place, relationship to relationship, one habit after another. And we can offer them the way, the truth, and the life. And no one else can do that outside of the church of Jesus Christ. It falls on us to do it. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. And every one of us are workers for Jesus Christ if we have the audacity to claim him as Lord. You all have not yet met my younger brother, Joel. He is three years younger than I am. He was in the Marine Corps for a long time, and he was also in the Army. Now, you take that combination, put it together, and he is also a United Methodist pastor. He is of a different breed, I assure you. 
He doesn't talk like your average pastor. Let's just put it that way. The Marine Corps and the Army have stayed with him in a lot of ways. But he has an extraordinary passion for evangelism, for bringing people to Jesus Christ. And he will do things that I am not comfortable with. Do you know on Ash Wednesday, in the community in which he lives, and he lives in a large community, he goes into the bars and he takes with him ashes. And he has his robe and his stole on, and he walks into the bars, having gotten permission already from the bar owner. He walks in there and puts ashes on the heads of people in a bar on Ash Wednesday. And he said, you'll be amazed at how many people will start crying when I do that. I said, man, I'm not going in any bar to put ashes on people's heads. I'll go somewhere else. I'll go to the symphony and do that maybe, but I'm not going to the bar. I mean, he is his own breed. He will pull over on the side of the road and put a sign down on the highway and as truckers go by with his robe and stole on, they'll pull over and he'll pray with them and impose ashes on their head. He's done that so much in his community in the Metroplex. They did a story on the local NBC affiliate and show him pulling over truckers, these rough and gruff people, and praying with them, putting ashes on their head. And he said, there's another hopeful follower of Jesus Christ. I said, man, I'm not standing by the highway to do that. But thank God he does it. You know, there are things that I may be willing to do as a follower of Jesus Christ to bring people into his presence as best I can that are different from the way you'll do it. Doesn't mean I'm any better at the way I do it or that you do it or that my brother Joel does it, but the fact of the matter is we have an obligation, a responsibility, a mandate to do it. Jesus says, go. That's the first word that comes out of his mouth when he gathers them together. Go, get it done. I need you. And we can't be timid. Timidity has no place when it comes to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you love Jesus, if you really love him, you can't be timid in sharing him. Have you ever seen a young woman who just got an engagement ring? She is in love with the one she is to marry. Have you ever seen her say, listen, I got an engagement ring, but I'm too timid to show it to you. I don't want you to see it. What do they do all the time? Look, look, look. There's no timidity in that love. They want everybody to know I love someone and he loves me and look. Have you ever been around a grandparent, particularly a new grandparent? And I'm one of them. I'm not timid at all. I love my grandsons. And I'll show, after church, everybody stay. We're going to look at a bunch of pictures of my grandsons. I'm not timid about that. I love them. When we have a passion for someone, our responsibility is to share that someone with others. However, we have to do it. And in this case, it is Jesus Christ. Should we all have a passion for him? Absolutely. Jürgen Moldman says, who is Jesus? He is the kingdom of God in person. Notice how Jesus ends the portion of scripture I read just a moment ago. They tell them the kingdom of God has come near. He says, when you go into a house, you don't go in there condemning. What you do is you go in there and the first thing you do is offer peace peace to this house. And then you rely on the hospitality of the ones who own the home. And notice what Jesus says, this little bit that we can overlook. Jesus says, and you eat whatever is put in front of you. 
Now, remember what we just said. This number, 72 or 70, represents the entire world. That means your job as a good Jew, in this case, the people Jesus who would have been listening to Jesus in the moment, Jesus says, go out to everybody, and you eat whatever they have in front of you. Well, we know for generations and generations, Jews ate certain things and didn't eat other things. And Jesus now says, I don't care about those food laws anymore. The most important thing that matters is that you're in conversation and you're in community with other people in my name. That's the most important thing you can do. I love what the third century Bishop Cyprian said. He said, you cannot have God as your father unless you have the church as your mother. People are, people are getting further away from the church. They're distancing themselves. And remember, we believe the church to be the literal body of Christ. Remember what Jesus said? If they listen to you, they listen to me. If you do unto others, you have done unto me. The reality is more and more people who are distancing themselves from the church are ultimately distancing themselves from Jesus Christ. So we got to bring those people back, and we got to invite others into the fold, and we do that however we can do it. We do it by streaming. We do it by television. We do it by in person. We do it any way we can. We do it at home. We do it in our place of employment. We do it in the life of the church. We do it in our neighborhoods. Wherever we may be, it is our responsibility and obligation to live in such a way that people want to know what it is about us that is so appealing and so compelling so they can claim it for themselves. We believe it is Jesus Christ. The harvest is plentiful. Nobody's going to argue that. We live in a world today of mass chaos. We can't get along with each other. There's so much division, so much polarization worldwide. How do we ever reconcile with those we have arguments with who disagree with us in such a hostile environment? We have the answer. We have the way. And it's our responsibility to do our part to make that happen. There are souls that are at stake. You all hear me. We don't talk about that a whole lot. But I am telling you, the message we have to share is the message of salvation that the entire world needs to hear. There's not a human being who's ever walked the face of the earth who will ever walk the face of the earth who does not need to hear about Jesus Christ. That is not putting down other religions. It is simply claiming for ourselves the understanding that we believe we have a message that everyone could claim for herself or himself and be changed by it forever. Louis Pasteur, the famous immunologist who created what we know to be pasteurized milk among every other kind of invention or creation, had been working on a rabies vaccination for a long period of time. And he finally reached a point where he was going to begin to experiment on himself with this new vaccination. But in the meantime, the mother of Joseph Meister came running to him. Her son Joseph, a 12-year-old boy, had been bitten by a rabid dog. And she came to Louis Pasteur and said, please do something to save his life. So instead of experimenting on himself for the next 10 days, he injected Joseph Meister with his experimental vaccine for rabies. And Joseph Meister lived. At the end of his life, days before Louis Pasteur died, they asked him, what do you want on your headstone? 
He said three words, Joseph Meister lived. With all the publicity and all the fame, the most important decision Louis Pasteur believed he ever made was saving the life of a little boy and taking pride in that. If someone asked you today, how many names would be on your headstone of people that you have literally saved through the grace of Jesus Christ and by his power, what names would be on that gravestone? How many would there be? It's on us. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. You all, there is work to be done. And we're going to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. As our ushers come forward, what a wonderful day it is to remind us that because we all give to this church, we have one of the best church staffs, not only in the Arkansas Conference of the United Methodist Church, but across the United Methodist Connection. So we thank you for your support of your church, for the kingdom work that is done, that is constantly being done, not only within these walls, but out in the community and around the world. Today we especially celebrate the appointments of Reverend Abby Maynard and Reverend Katie Chambers. Let us pray. Mighty God, we have read of the prophets of old on how your power was often made known to them in small gestures or in a still, small voice. This morning we bring our gifts to you, confessing that we have often missed or dismissed your miracles because they didn't present themselves in dramatic and startling events or great transformations. So we humbly just ask for the eyes that are constantly on the lookout, on the lookout for the small and the subtle ways that you make your presence and power and grace and love and mercy known to us. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Shepherd, I shall not. 
valley of death. Though I walk through the valley of I death. Fear Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, 
who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathe into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through the prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join in this unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church and delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. And so on the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, in these, and when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving 
as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the whole world the body of Christ, redeemed by the blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As the ushers lead, you are invited to come forward down the center aisle. The center station will have gluten-free wafers and the side stations will have bread. All of our stations will be practicing intinction and you are invited to hold your hands out as a symbol of receiving this gift. As you're given a piece of bread, you're invited to dip it in the cup and eat. And if you're unable to come forward and would like to receive at your seat, you can let the ushers know. Importantly, as United Methodists in our tradition, we believe that though we have prepared this table together, it's not our table. It's God's. And so you don't have to be a member of this church or any church in order to receive this means of grace. All are welcome to come.
Thank you again for worshiping with us today at Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. We invite you to visit our website to let us know you were a part of our viewing community today or to learn more about how you can get involved in our ongoing mission to love God, love neighbor, and change the world.